What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome back to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I am your amazing host, Clayton Q. Terry. And in today's podcast, this Odyssey, Odyssey number 90, which feels like a solid milestone, but I think 100 is going to be that real milestone. We have the incredible Sarah Hall. You may have seen Sarah Hall over like YouTube or Instagram because she's just crushing it. You can find her at like Sarah Hall 444. But Sarah Hall is super, super dope, very calm, very present person to talk to. Honestly, I would even venture to say, ladies, ladies that are listening, she has a very grounded feminine presence. I know that this is a big thing with spirituality where we can get a little bit floaty at times, if you will, getting in our feminine, thinking everything's so divine. But I noticed throughout our conversation that she has a grounded nature to it. So if you're looking, because I remember at one point she kind of pushes back whenever I'm asking her about uh, this actually very fascinating point regarding Jesus and whether or not he had a family. And she's talking to Mother Mary about this. And the way that she kind of pushed back, pushback might be the wrong word, but the way that she stayed grounded and firm was a very beautiful thing to see. So pay attention to that part of the conversation. I can't remember which part it's going to be in. So I guess you just got to listen to it all. <laughs> but I, I can tell that Sarah is a very grounded individual. Like she embodies that grounded nature with femininity in a beautiful way. So pay attention to that. But who even is Sarah Hall? Sarah Hall's a spiritual teacher. She channels angels. And in this podcast, she actually channels Mother Mary, who I find out something fascinating that I'll just leave as a little cliffhanger. She specializes then in communicating with angels, ascended masters, and spirit guides so that they can deliver their messages of love to all of us, all of us people that are on our spiritual path, our healing path, our ascension path. And her mission is to help teach as many people as possible to hold the higher spiritual consciousness of love. We talk a lot about love in this podcast. We talk a lot about divine relationships. And it, it's going to be a very healing podcast, I know, for a lot of you guys, because it was very healing for myself. I know I learned a lot from Sarah. And again, just a beautiful soul. And I'm already excited to bring her back on the podcast. But before I introduce her, I do want to make a quick note that I have activated my Patreon account. It is activated. So guys, this is an incredible way that you're able to support me and support this show and support this vision. You know, a, a big piece of my healing journey has been around money and trying to understand it because I know that we look at, especially if we're very empathetic individuals, we see corporations as these money-making machines that are putting profit over people. And we need to shift that paradigm into people over profit. So hopefully I give off the energy because it is my intention to put people over profit. And the way that I'm seeing it is I put so much energy out there, right? And my directed force of energy into this podcast, into life has been very directional and intentional. And I know that it has helped people. And so hopefully you're one of those people. I mean, why else would you be coming back for more? I can see the numbers, guys. I see the numbers. I know you guys keep coming back. So if you feel called to it, 
and this is not like a pressured thing, but if you feel called to it, I would be eternally grateful if you were able to sign up for the Patreon membership. Everybody's going to get access to extra meditations that I have on Patreon and more content that I'll be posting there for you amazing individuals. And I want you to really view this just as an energy exchange. You know, I've put out a tremendous amount of energy and even money at that point to that point in order to produce these podcasts for you guys. Now, with that being said, just keep enjoying them. I, I think just you guys consuming them, money's going to find a way back to me. I'm not worried about it. But if you feel called to it, if you're experiencing an abundance of money and you're like, you know what, I'm overflowing with money. I need to give some to Clayton because he's been overflowing with energy towards me and he's unlocked new things with energy and money and abundance. Then please, I invite you to share it back with me. I know at the top uh, membership also, we're going to be doing it where you'll be considered like a producer of all content I put out in the future. So I'll throw your name in show notes. I'll throw your name at the end of videos or shout outs. We'll find some fun stuff to do. So please, 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 it would be, I'll be eternally grateful to you guys as it's all energy. So I know it's like, I can feel that I'm hitting my tipping point of like, I need that energy replenished. And I trust that the universe will bring it in different ways. If it's through Patreon, it is. If it's not, then, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, whether or not you choose to become a patron, I still love you. I still think you're an amazing, beautiful soul. And I still think, no, I still know that you're going to get a tremendous amount of value out of this conversation that I have with Sarah Hall. So, Without further delay, Conscious Monkeys, I introduce you to Sarah Hall. Traveling to consciousness, exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. right to start it i'll just like throw that in and that's kind of just the flow of it if you will Absolutely. cool and i think you know at least for me where i'm very interested and wanted to bring you on a couple reasons but i think one of them was really regarding like your connection to like these angelic beings and i think the two things i really hear you talk about a lot are archangels and the love I know you dive into some other astrology type stuff, but like those are the two words I've seen a lot, like all over your YouTube, you, how you describe yourself, your Instagram. So diving into those, starting off kind of strong, I guess, is what is love? How do you describe it? Oh my gosh, that's the best question ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to start off really simply and say love is God. Um, As I've worked with the angels on my spiritual path over the years. They are beings of absolute pure love. So I've learned a lot about love in working with them. And what they communicate and what I've learned is that love is our true essence. It's like the original source state of consciousness. It's the highest state that consciousness can go into, and it is our source. Um, so mm -hmm. I like to say that love is God. Love is the 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 true nature um, of our soul. Um, so it's one of the most important things I think that can help us navigate life. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's a question that I, I really want to get your opinion on to dive even deeper because I, I like your answer. And in my life where this word was my hiccup, this word was really my breakthrough into the spirituality community. And I'll, I'll save you the details of the story. I can tell you later, but I've shared it so many times on the podcast. But my mind was very fixated, if you will, or confused on love because we talk about love in so many different facets. I love my podcast. I love my friends. I love jujitsu. I love my significant other. And there's a piece of me whenever I get into my analytical brain that feels like there's different kinds of love. What are your thoughts on that? I think that love actually is quite universal. It's just that we can experience it perhaps at different amplitudes and apply it towards different things. And so it can become anything, you know, so like, I love my podcast, like, that's something that is expanding this energy of love, right? It's, it's a, it's a way of experiencing creation and all of the joy and expansion that comes from it. Um, but I would say that actually, while we can say that, okay, yes, there's romantic love, there's like love for a thing, there's like love for your friend, and those are all like, they look a little bit different. I really kind of feel that love is so universal. It is the, it is the one thing that I think unites all of us. Like when in spirituality, you hear sayings like, we are all one. What is the thing that binds us? To me, it really is this thing that we as human beings refer to as love. And I think instinctually when we say, I love, I love this, I love you, I love that. Um, what we're really referring to is I am recognizing divine truth through this experience. I'm recognizing that I am expanding the soul. I'm expanding consciousness itself through this experience. And love is a unifying force. So it's like I'm merging into, into union with, with something in, in, this, in this state of love. And I think that that you kind of see across the board throughout all the different like types of, of love that there are. So I think there are universals in it for sure. It's an interesting way to break it down, and I really like it, where it's different ways of experiencing, or it feels like almost like this appreciation for all of these unique experiences. Yeah, I think that appreciation um, is a big part of it. And of course, there are so many other um, amazing emotions that we can associate with love. And I always like to say that love is not necessarily like an emotion, but there are emotions tied to it. So yes, appreciation, gratitude, joy. I mean, there's so many things. You could feel relief, you could feel comfort, you could feel nourishment, um, because it's just this this state of being that again creates this opportunity for us to expand, to merge. It is, it's like the oxygen that we breathe. You know, it's if it is our source and it is our essence, then you kind of have to you you kind of have to relate with it all the time you're breathing it all the time you're looking for it all the time you're reaching for it in almost everything that you want and do that's interesting so you said though in that response that you don't see love as an emotion but it's something that has emotions within it is that a fair yes. way yes can you expand yeah. on that a little bit yeah yeah um so i would say that perhaps if i'm visualizing it in my head that when we're in a state of love, 
we can almost imagine that state of love as sort of like a container and that it's a container where a lot of emotion um you know can can flow sort of like if love were the canvas and the emotions could be like the the page that you put on the canvas and there can be so many different combinations of emotion that you you place around that experience of love um but yeah i think that love is just it's it's so much bigger than just an emotion um it seems to be it seems to be again just from my perspective like the the actual essence and content of the soul it's what the soul is made of so when we are recognizing love outside of us or feeling it moving through us it is i'm in contact with my soul i'm in contact with the god stuff inside of me so it's almost a meta expression and then other emotions live within it and so even going back to what i introduced this with it would be almost like i love anger i love hate i love fear i love bliss i love joy so is it okay to say that we love anger or love hate? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. You know, in I guess in in putting that through my mind and thinking about it a little bit more, I wonder who has that experience and I wonder what it would be like to say I love anger. I love being in a state of anger because I'm not sure that that I'm not sure that it exists. Maybe it exists. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Um, but I always like to think of love as sort of like a divine compass. So when we are feeling the absence of it, it seems like, or a seeming separation from it, then it seems like that's when we have feelings like anger or hate, or grief, or sadness, which can be connected to an experience of love. So if you love someone and you lose them, you know, you you can feel sadness because you love, and it, that can be wrapped up in that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd be curious, I think, to learn more um, about, you know, if maybe someone has that experience of like, I love anger, um, and to learn more about what that would feel like and what that would look like. Um, because again, I guess I, get, I, I, I am a big believer that love is the compass that's leading you into God. It's leading you into an experience where you're always going to be merging with truth. You're merging with something that is important or meaningful or that is expanding your, your, your purpose or is that, it, that is driving you into a state of harmony. Um, and so it's it's it usually has the the gift of guiding us in that way. Yeah, it's it's bringing up in me a piece of my history, and I think this is probably something that a lot of guys go through, or they're at least at some stage in their evolution in regards to our dating scene in the world. And my trajectory was being the nice guy in high school then college, trying to figure out what was going on. I kind of went into finding some, like, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, kind of like red pill forums or black pill form. not black pill, I never really got into that, but red pill and more of this, let's say, less enlightened state. It, it was weird because it was more, a little bit more enlightened than being the nice guy, but it was less enlightened than the optimal. And one of the things, in this. So this is like where 
I would say this is like the bridge of consciousness where kind of like the fuck boys live or the playboys or whatnot. But there was an interesting comment in there that or like saying that always stuck with me, which was hate is not the opposite of love. I think apathy is the opposite of love of just like the absence of caring. And, and the way this manifested was guys in this forum kind of saying that it was almost better for there's more of an energetic charge if somebody hates you if in this case a girl if a girl hates you versus has no feelings for you and so it was almost coming from this piece of like when you're the nice guy and whenever i say nice guy i'm meaning you're doing nice things with hopes that there is sex in return so when you're this nice guy you usually will attract girls in a form of apathy so they don't really have an a an emotionally energetic charge towards you but then when you take this step up into you know fuckboy playboy paradigm it becomes this duality of like you create very polarizing attractions so no one just feels apathetic towards you it's like you either love this person or you like hate them and both of them are a strong energetic charge and so that's sort of what I'm feeling called to kind of like share with you. And I'm interested how you would break this down from your perspective in regards to this, like, I love hate uh, thing that we're diving into here. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that in that context, like if we're looking at, um, you know, relationships and dating, dating is a journey where there's so much self-discovery involved in it you know there's a lot of like i'm focusing the camera lens and figuring out who i am and what my values are and therefore who do i align with and who aligns with those values you know how how do i find compatibility in that kind of thing um and as you're going through that experience i think the relationships that people have really help with all of those lessons and so there is an experience, I think, when we're dating where it's about that, the attachments that we make with someone else, whether or not we're attracted to someone, the focus seems to be more connected to that than it is always to deep love, like simple, pure, true, real, we could say love. Um, I think love is very, very clear. Um, it's very pure and it's very true and that it doesn't have a lot of things attached around it, especially if maybe we're looking at it from a lens where we're kind of trying to maybe glimpse it from like a, a higher spiritual perspective or something like that. Um, it's not sort of like, okay, love and now all of these requirements and conditions that I'm attaching to it and now I'm assigning that to you. You know, I, I think of love kind of in this sort of like maybe if we want to categorize if we do want to categorize love you know because i think that can be useful sometimes and we're, we're thinking divine love then it's not necessarily cluttered up with a lot of conditions like that so i think when we look at like the idea of love or hate or feeling strongly or not strongly you know apathy that kind of thing when we're thinking of like human relationships particularly around dating that this is more about attachment and that gets interesting because in that case, we want to kind of dig deeper and ask, what is it that makes someone want to create an attachment 
to another person that's so strong, whether it's they're, they're saying, I love this person, I like this person, or whether it's, I hate this person, I can't stand this person. What is underneath that attachment, that strong attachment? Well, there's usually probably a lot of judgments that are involved in that, and all of those judgments are going to be based on this journey that that person is on where they're they're refocusing the camera lens and they're trying to figure out who am I, what do I need, what do I want, what do I really value kind of thing. Um, I would actually say that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love isn't even apathy. I think of love as the one force that we can wrap our head around and know that it is without an opposite. I think of love as the unconditioned, eternal source of creation. It is the source of all of the universe, and it is the substance that is animating all of consciousness and all of the universe. So really, we may not know it, but we all love each other deep down. (laughs) And sometimes when you think of like spiritual growth or spiritual enlightenment, we think of getting to this spiritual level of love that people talk about where there's like this sense of um, like brotherly love or like love for all kind of thing. And really, I think we're just realizing love that's already there because we belong to one another. We are one another. You are a piece of me and I'm a piece of you. So of course I love you. We have that. We just don't always notice it, I think, because our mind has has different things that it's focusing on depending on what our, our, our priority is, you know? Yeah, so we've only been talking to each other, I think, for like 12 minutes at this point. So is it weird if we say that, like, I love you? Are we able to do that <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, how do we bridge that gap, right? Because like, there's still, I mean, I guess I'd be comfortable at this point just because of the conversation we've had. But like, you go up to a stranger on the street and like, you tell them that you love them or even if you're talking about romantic partnership, there are so many times where it's like, Oh, I don't want to be the first one to say, I love you. And like, that's going to give them the power or like, you know what I mean? And so what is the, is there a hiccup there? Like what's our holdup whenever it comes to saying, I love you. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most important things to know about the healing part of being on the human journey or you know on a spiritual path but really healings for everybody we're all we're all healing something is that i think most of us come into this life and into this world and at some point or another we have an experience that makes it feel like we are being cut off from love so if we're saying that god is love right and that a soul incarnates into their human life straight from God, straight off the boat from heaven, then when you come into this world, you are looking for that the familiarity of your true nature. And I think in the best optimal situations, you have it. You know, your parents are like the first proxy for God on the planet that you experience, on this planet that you experience, in that, you know, hopefully you get to experience that they love you unconditionally. But of course, they're human. So there's going to be moments where, because they've, you know, probably experienced this wound that we all kind of like universal wound of, I feel separate from love, I feel separate from one another or from God, that it doesn't always feel safe to open up our heart to be vulnerable and to share um, the raw, raw need to connect and the raw, pure connection that is in exchange of love between two people. 
what I find really remarkable, by the way, kind of thinking about childhood and that sort of thing is that when you spend a lot of time around children and, um, I actually, before I did spiritual teaching, I was a nanny for for several years, put myself through college that way, you know, like spent a lot of time around little children and they love so automatically and naturally. Just all of them. I mean, across the board, we've all got different personalities when we come into this world, certainly, but the willingness and the, just how naturally it comes to just be in a state of love with another human being when you're little is amazing. I think that that's our true nature and that we have experiences down the road, you know, as we grow, as we evolve, develop, experience more of the world where we experience pain, where we are hurt, where we feel what it's like to be, you know, emotionally abandoned or to be judged or to be rejected. And the funny thing is, is that all of those things, from my perspective, I mean, I mean they seem like they arise from being in a state where love is absent, where you are convinced of the illusion of separation. You're convinced love is absent. Love is not not here for me. And so I, I do not want to merge into oneness or into connection with another person. I want to defend myself. And so we put these walls up around our, our hearts. We put these walls up around our, our mind, um, you know, when it comes to connection. And we'll only, you know, start to take them down when we feel like it's safe. Um, and I think that that's what we're here to heal. I think universally, like as human beings, we're here to, to learn about healing that and coming back home to love. So then if we, because I see what you're saying in regards to like the times where we are suffering the most, there's the least amount of love. How is it then, do you think, that we make this mental connection that it's love's fault that we suffer, right? Because you're, you're kind of saying here that, okay, well, you know, we put up these walls around our heart or around or cutting off love because of the fact that we've suffered. Someone's done me wrong. And yet in those moments, the main reason they probably happen is because of a lack of love. So why internally would we make this decision to cut ourselves off from the source that prevented us from suffering in the first place. Yes. Oh my gosh. The ego, which I think we could just very simply define as like the identity in us that is very much shaped by this illusion of separation, this experience, this temporary experience of separation, which is also, by the way, intrinsically um, connected to fear. You know, if you can be separate, you can be a separate self, then you can fear. I think that the ego's default state is one where it is constantly trying to reassert its separateness and stay in control, almost like white knuckle gripping and grasping onto control because there is, again, this sort of like lack of lack of love. So if there's lack of love, then there's a lack of trust. And there's this sense of like, okay. I have to keep myself safe. So in order to do so, I'm going to defend or attack. It's like ego has two two modes that it goes into. It's defense mode or attack mode. And a lot of times 
whether it's defense or attack, actually you're doing both things at once. And the Course in Miracles talks about this a little bit, which I really like, where they say, you know, when you defend yourself, you're attacking, you know, maybe your your unity with source or you're attacking mm. your higher consciousness. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Um, but really, you know, if you think about it, yeah, like you are already suffering from the illusion of a lack of love if you're in this place that says, well, love is going to make me hurt. No, really, love isn't going to make you hurt. It is the fear that love will be taken away that is hurt. So it's like, I'm afraid of opening up my heart and loving another person because what if they walk away from me? What if they reject me? What if they judge me? What if they leave me? Mm. Um, and it's, I'm actually fearing love being taken away. And if I'm fearing that, it's because I probably experienced it to some degree at a point in my life when my heart was wide open and just pure, unadulterated love. And it seems like in that answer too, what you're illustrating, or at least how I interpret it, is that where you open yourself up to love, you make now that mental connection between it being in the physical world. Like, if I connect love to Sarah, and then you decide to betray me, now I make the mental assertion that it was love's fault. It's not that it's like, it's like some, it's interesting because you make this connection to the physical world and then retract it back into yourself as opposed to just saying that it's like this emanating source that in your words permeates the entire universe. Therefore you can create it within yourself. And so it, you don't, it's not like the fault of love. It's just this other person. Maybe there's, I don't know, other stuff going on with them. That can be a very difficult thing to break apart. But it's interesting because it's almost that attachment that you make with love. Like you almost like directionally place it towards one person or one thing and give that your power of love. It's like it's like bestowing your power of love into someone else as opposed to realizing that you created it in the first place. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Um, First off, I love what you said because it's true that I think we're all victims of victims or it's hurt people that hurt other people. You have to have been hurt to be capable of hurting another person. I don't think any of that is done, you know, kind of like unconsciously by accident sort of thing. Um, And secondly, yeah, you know, if we're thinking about love, we want to have an abundance of it flowing from all different sources. Um, I'm a big teacher, big proponent of self-love. And I think that's what help us helps us to get in love with that that compass that I sort of mentioned, where it's like love can be your your direction, it can be your guide kind of thing. Um, you have to start with with self-love. And and I think in that way that if you experience, you know, someone someone's hurt, you know, so they're they're pulling back or they're they're abandoning or they're harming another person um then you'll know that your love has not been taken away you still have you still have self-love it still may hurt right but you still have self-love there and then hopefully of course maybe you've built in other types of relationships where there is love that's able to flow through different types of expressions and containers as well and as human beings i mean the relationship side of it is so important and i'm glad we're talking about that part of it you know with with regards to love because yes we have it from within we can have self love i think the divine presence of god is inside of us so divine love is inside of us too but we're designed as human beings for connection for human to human connection we 
so, again, belong to one another. So looking at relationships and you know, working on expanding love the best that we can through relationships, I think that's one of the great lessons of, of the human journey. Oh, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, we're social creatures. And it's the relation aspect is super, super valuable. And you even were mentioning there that we need to start with the relation of love to ourselves. So let's start there. So what, how do we cultivate self-love? How do I know if I'm in a state of actually loving myself? How, if I'm not, what can I do to start loving myself? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this question because this is like definitely really like taking me into my own spiritual journey because I got into spiritual healing, spirituality, because I was really suffering. And what was there at the core of that was a massive lack of of self-love. There was, you know, self-criticism, self-judgment, self-blame, self-hate. And I was also experiencing a lot of anxiety, depression, panic attacks, you name it, you know, all of it, you know, and really for me, after, you know, doing work on myself, I really realized, yeah, the root of it, it's it's a lack of self-love, you know, that I was experiencing underneath all of these things. So I came from a place of like having really, really broken and distorted you know, lack of self-love and then needing to rebuild it. So if I'm answering the question from like a first person narrative, you know, type of perspective, I would say what I did and what I guide a lot of people also to to do if they can is to start to develop mindfulness and awareness first of where you are on the emotional spectrum. Hold awareness of like, how do I really feel in this moment? Is there discomfort or is there comfort and, you know, enjoyment and all the empowerment or whatever that I want? If you you have all that you want in your your spectrum of emotion, then great, keep going. You know, there's probably <laughs> self-love in there. You're probably experiencing something great. Change needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if there's 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 discomfort, if there's pain, if there's worry, if there's anxiety, I think doing a little bit of self-inquiry can be really helpful in that we can start to ask questions of those feelings and say, where do you come from feeling? Um, and what are your assumptions feeling? You know, what are the beliefs underneath this feeling? And where did I learn to believe or see that way? When I was doing a lot of that on my own path of healing, I would find that underneath a lot of the uncomfortable feelings, there was this self-rejection, this self-hate, self-abuse type of thinking. Um, so what I learned to do was say, okay, I know my marching orders. I'm going to love myself, forgive myself for all of these assumptions and judgments that I've made against myself and do that through not just words, although the words were essential and crucial to me. Oh my gosh, words must be one of my love languages because I needed to say that to myself like a broken record over and over and over again. So anytime I had a negative or painful thought or the anxiety started to really ramp up or something like that, I would pause, I would breathe, I would visualize that I was taking that negative emotion, all the negative thoughts connected to it, and that I was handing it over to my angels and that they were helping to clear it, take it away, put it back into pure source energy, so transmute it. And then I would affirm, I love myself. I forgive myself. I forgive and release this negative thought, whatever else I needed to affirm, given the the specifics of that particular thought. But I would come back to anchoring 
I love myself. And with, with that thinking, that believing, and that wording first for me, that planted a seed that empowered me to have the awareness to start putting that love into actions and choices and put it into the relationship patterns that I was choosing and co-creating and really, again, start to apply it to all these other areas of life. So I, again, I think love should be our our compass starting with self-love being the compass for how we live our lives and that it is something that we can always, always trust to take us in the right direction. I love that. It's a very beautiful process that you have there. And what I'm feeling called to ask is that it, it, it hinges on knowing what love feels like. So what do we do if we don't know what love feels like? How are we able to get in touch with it? Is there a way that we can feel it? Is it just saying the word until universe tells us? How do we how do we get aligned with knowing what love feels like? I love that question. Oh my gosh, I feel <laughs> like that is a God-sent question because I know that there are people that feel that way. You that know, was me I, for I, a long time. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we can get so, you know, cut off or or wounded that it feels like I don't know what love is. I don't know if I could point it out and recognize it if 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 I saw it in the world around me. Um, so in those cases, I like to remember a couple of different things. Um, the first thing, and this I think can help someone. They might it might take a little bit of time to believe it, but there are ways to get at this. First, remember that love is inside of you already. You're going to be able to unpack it. You're going to be able to find it. You're going to be able to get at it. Um, again, hard to believe if you're not there and if you're really suffering. But most of us have had some experience or another that involves some measure of comfort to it. So even if it's something as simple and everyday as the feeling when I pull the covers over myself in bed and I feel warm and it's silent and it's quiet and there's a moment of comfort. Or maybe for another person, it's like taking the first bite of my favorite food or something like that. And I feel comfort. I feel pleasure. There's something that I'm uniting with, I'm merging with in my human experience. And again, it could be something, something as simple as something sensory in the body. Something as simple that as 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 something that I like, you know, like I'm I'm just liking it a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit of ease, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of pleasure here. Lean into that. Look for that feeling, and start to train your consciousness. I guess if we're thinking mindfulness wise, right, to notice more of those things, and even if it only happens like once a day. Notice it and put your energy towards it and follow that feeling. Become very present in that feeling. Breathe in that feeling. And I guarantee that that actually can start to expand the feeling. Because if you're bringing more of your awareness and your presence into that moment where you're taking your first bite of pasta that you love and that's the comfort, the one comfort feeling you know or that you can identify, right? Um, you'll be able to expand the feeling through that moment of now all of my presence is anchored into the here and now and I'm really really here I'm really feeling that and then you might start to notice yourself waking up to that feeling in other places so 
it can start very, very slowly at first, where it's like, wow, now I'm noticing that the smell of nature around me, you know, walking outside is beautiful, like the smell of these trees and the ground. Oh, that's that's that feels really good too. There is liking, there is pleasure, there is I want to merge into union with this because I'm I'm drawn in. And I think that that can start to cultivate the memory of love even when we feel like we've lost it or that all of the suffering has cut off our our connection to it, has created like an amnesia um, to love. We can expand it by looking for it and just helping it grow through the very simplest of things. Yeah, simple things. Finding that peace in simple things. One word you used in there was comfort or finding comfort in these simple things. And now I'm curious because my mindset, especially my masculine doing mindset, is to seek discomfort. My goal is that if I am just being comfortable, then I'm not growing, that I'm not progressing in life. So in regards to this, where does this balance or this catch-22 lie in regards to love being associated with comfort, but all the greats tell me that I need to do uncomfortable things and get out of my comfort zone in order to grow. Yes. Oh my gosh. I actually love that you brought that forward. I think that that's amazing because tough love is a thing. And sometimes, you know, self part of self-love can be like, get up off the couch, go for a walk, go to the gym, eat healthfully, you know, do these things that genuinely mean you're caring for yourself and you are expanding the things that you want to to be. Um, so yeah, I think that there can sometimes be a little bit of discomfort in love as well. But we, I think the key word that you said um, was perfect and it was balance, that we, we want to have a balance between both. Because anytime we're, we're overly focused on, on maybe one end of the spectrum, um, we can start to get thrown off a little bit. And I think it can in some ways, maybe have us lose touch with that that self-love piece. So let's say like the person that's maybe over-disciplining themselves. I've definitely been there. There is a point where it's like, oh my gosh, I want this work, you know, as a as as a spiritual healer and teacher so much that I'm just gonna work around the clock. I'm just gonna push myself so hard all the time and, you know, not have a balanced life, right? Um, and you could apply that towards anything, but you start to do that. And eventually, the thing about self-discipline and, you know, pushing yourself and working hard, which is wonderful and we want that and we need that, is that in a way, we're actually cutting off awareness to certain feelings that we have inside of us. Sometimes we want to do that. Sometimes it's our ego saying, but I'm more, I'd rather be lazy on the couch, right? You know, and so you have to not pay attention to that feeling, cut off connection to that feeling, and then put that discipline in um, towards towards the, the greater goal and, and push yourself in that, in that act of hard work. Um, if you do that too much, you're going to cut yourself off from all of your feelings. You're going to cut off your self-awareness. You're going to cut off knowledge, therefore, of what you really need of your deeper, deeper emotional, physical needs, your your human needs in general. And you might start to get to a place where it's like, okay, this isn't self-love anymore. 
this is starting to take me into a place where I'm denying too many of my needs. I'm pushing myself too hard. And at that point, at that point, we have to ask ourselves, okay, where is the motivation coming from to push me in this direction? Because I think like 10 times out of 10, um, there's fear underneath that. If we're pushing ourselves too far in one direction or the, or another, whether it's I'm procrastinating and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm not doing and I'm just reaching for the dopamine hit, you know, the comfort, the, the creature comfort things, it's usually fear. There's fear of failure, fear of success, fear of am I worthy? Am I good enough? Can I do this? Right. And if you're way on the other side of the spectrum, you're pushing yourself and forcing yourself and going way too hard, not balancing your life, there's likely fear underneath that too. And usually it's the same type of fear. It's just expressing itself on the other end of the spectrum. So it's fear of, I'm overcompensating because I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. I'm afraid of success, afraid of failure, afraid of all of the things connected to me doing the thing, being the thing that I want to expand and create. So self-love the more we really master it and work at it and devote ourselves to it like it's our number one priority and focus, I think that it has a natural intelligence with it that will help us to balance ourselves. So we'll say out of self-love, yes, I'm getting up and I'm going to the gym and I'm doing that every morning because I know that that's what I need. Um, But then we have our moments of balance where it's like, okay, I know when I need to stop. I know when I need to rest. I know when I need to embrace comfort and therefore open up in touchness with certain parts of my emotional spectrum to where I really know and understand myself and can then strengthen myself. Strength is complete when we have both sides, in my opinion. Yeah. That answer makes me feel like it's very intuitive in regards to what you need more of. If it's more discomfort, if it's less discomfort, if it's more ease or more struggle, it sounds like it's something we need to come to from an intuitive place or something that we need to feel into. And maybe, I mean, I'd be interested to know this, as people are listening to you talk, they may just intuitively know which side of that spectrum they lie on and which one they need to shift closer to. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally intuitive. And I think another good thing to note as well when we're thinking about that is like sometimes people lose touch with that intuitive knowing of which side they need to be on, especially like if in my case, I went from way over procrastinating to way overworking. <laughs> so it's like the the procrastinator, you know, all the way to like the, the workaholic. So I didn't trust myself. I'm like, I don't know what I need. I know, I don't know if I can trust what I want to do in this moment. So it actually took me a few years really to recover from like the overworking part of it because I was so accustomed to saying, Sarah, if you give in to the part of you that wants to rest or that wants to go slower towards this particular goal then you're just going to fall back in touch with that procrastinator side. And you don't want that. That's not going to feel good. So I would always listen to the side that, you know, fear side, right? That was like, keep working, keep forcing, keep pushing, keep doing, doing, doing. Until eventually I, you know, I think with all things, if you get yourself into trouble by um, harming yourself in any way, you know, doing something that's going to take you off balance in any way, it's eventually going to hurt enough to where you'll, you'll wake up you know, pain, there's a fail safe in pain and that it, it eventually wakes us up and realizes, okay, there's something not working here. So I would work myself 
to the bone to the point of like burnout. And then I realized this is burnout. And like, I wanted to teach people to heal themselves. So I luckily have the benefit of like preaching and working on this stuff all the time with the people that I talk to, the people that I work with all the time. So at the time when I was really struggling with this, it was like, oh, I'm giving myself advice sometimes when I'm talking to people. <laughs> I'm learning as I'm as I'm teaching. I'm learning as I'm going. So, um, you know, eventually the the pain of it will wake you up, and you can start to play with pulling it back a little bit and feeling what it's like to go towards the other side of the spectrum and draw in qualities of both. So it's like I want to do a little bit of both, and I know that that's how I'm going to feel the best. And we we can each, I think, individually, intuitively find our own balance that way even if it's imperfect at first. Right. And, and this is think I'm reminded, I'm being reminded right now of my journey in regards to like health and wellness, where I used to be very rigid, very disciplined with my diet, with my workouts. And, and then I'd look great. And then this fear would creep in that if I backslide at all, if I take one day off that I'm going to become overweight again. And I can see now looking back on it, how there were these huge fluctuations in my weight because of it. However, now what I've shifted into is I think I went 72 days of working out straight. And then I, I could tell that there was a, a fear creeping in. There was a many reasons that I stopped, but a fear creeping in of if I take a day off, then I'm in a backslide and everything's going to go away. And I'm hearing it as a parallel in regards to what you're saying with, I need to work super hard. And if I procrastinate at all, then I'm going to, I'm going to fail. It's going to be terrible. And I think the key element there is, is fear. And what I'm thinking, and this ties back to what we were talking about earlier, maybe fear is, is the opposite of love. Maybe it's fear that we need to confront in a loving way. It's like, okay, you're afraid that if you take this day off, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. But I've learned so many times that you need to do what you fear most. So maybe I should just push into this and see what happens. And, and I think that the, the understanding that's or evolved from that is tapping into the subtler energies that we're experiencing in every single moment. So I'm curious, what do you, what do you think about this new idea that maybe fear is the opposite of love? Yes. You know, I think that first off, that rings with a lot of truth. In fact, that's what I always, for many years, said was the opposite of love. I said, yeah, fear is the opposite of love. Fear is totally the opposite of love. And I would still say that there's, well, me, there's a lot of- Let me correct of... myself real, real quick. It's not a new idea. I'm... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no such thing as a new idea. I was thinking about that right after I said that. That was going to eat at me for a bit. So- <laughs> Sorry, yeah. go ahead with what you're saying. In the context saying. of this conversation, it's a new thing that we're pretty yes, yes. All right, thanks. Thanks um, for saving me there. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, like um I would say like yeah, like fear is totally the opposite of love. So I was when I was working on my own spiritual healing and then later, you know, helping people with with their their healing as well, it was always about like okay, we want to look to identify fear because we want to heal that. That's the opposite of love and if we can heal the fear, then we're going to bring the love in. I still do all of that with the people that I work with and think that that is incredibly, incredibly valuable. And I do believe that if we're looking at this from a, a very human, earthly lens, then totally yes, fear is the the opposite of love because we as human beings live in a dualistic world. 
we experience everything in the context of dualities and polarities. You know, we're we're that's how our whole consciousness is designed. You know, we're we're going to experience day and night, hot and cold, and all of these different things that help us to have our have our sense of self, our sense of consciousness. Um, so, for the sake of having a very useful model of how to explore that concept, yes, I would say. In this human lifetime, human context, fear would be our opposite of love. If you exit outside of your your human body and your human lifetime, or you're looking at it more from like that angelic um, perspective, what our angels would tell us is love is God and love has no opposite because there is beyond this this human dimension of thinking, which is very dualistic, there is something non-dual that does exist. There is something that exists that is absolutely changeless, unconditioned, eternal truth. And that's love. But when we bring that into this dimension, this realm, I think, yeah, of course, we're gonna we experience everything in the in the spectrum of 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 duality. So totally right. I would say fear, fear would be our opposite of love. Well then do you think there could be a different word for it as opposed to love because i'm all on board with the idea of you know this is a dual nature yin yang masculine feminine that's the you know energies those are that's the world we live in so if we take this higher perspective of well at the top of you know at the top of it the we are the combination of the yin yang we're not black or white we're both we're all of it in in combination so then extrapolating this idea and I know English is a is a muddied language at this point. We've talked about it before yeah. on the podcast. I guess there's the we're talking about this in terms of there's a a oneness love and then there's a dualistic love. Is there a word do you think that could better describe one or the other? You know, I might put the word union next to love. And then in unpacking and exploring that a little bit further, we'd say, well, union really is about maybe moving into the non-dual. So I think that love really is our gateway back home, back to that source source of who and what we are, our gateway back to God, gateway back to truth, that it's the it is it really is the thing that doesn't have any opposites, but there's so many um, paradoxes <laughs> when you start to think of that. It's like, well, everything that we experience here has its pair of opposites, but exit outside of here, which we have the ability to 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 think that think of that existing, that something outside of this exists. Then you've got these divine paradoxes that that start to show up. So I would still say yes, love is love is quite non-dual. It is union. It is it is that that return to truth, and that fear maybe is separation. We could say like, on one end of the spectrum, you have union, you have the truth that has you merging into all of the the harmony, um, that sustains and creates the miracle of life. On the other end of the spectrum, you have fear and the illusion of separation which we I call it an illusion because yeah we experience a degree of separateness here but there's a saying that anything that changes is not real and so like 
mm. real, if we're defining real in the ultimate sense as the only thing that stays, the only thing that is permanent, maybe that is God, that is love, that is truth. So we could say, all right, we've got this illusion of separation. In other words, a temporary experience right now of these different facets of seeming separation that we're, we're having right here in this like dream that we, we call human life. Um, so in that separateness, yeah, we could say, I feel what, what it's like to have something opposed to love. I feel what it's like to have something other than love. Some people might even argue that that's why we incarnate into human existences in the first place. It's, it's like it's God incarnating as billions and billions of individual forms of, of consciousness of all kind, and then experiencing itself by having a contrast to itself, having the, 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 the illusion of a contrast to itself. This is the end of part one. In part two, Sarah Hall and I go even deeper into past life regression and angels. And talking to Mary Magdalene, we actually reveal something uh, something a little crazy about Jesus and his family life that you may or may not have been familiar with. And you may or may not believe. The choice is yours. So, I will see you guys in the next episode, Odyssey number 90, with Sarah Hall. Part 2, Past Life Regression and Angels Revealed Jesus' Secret Family.